and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one, let's go. What the hell just happened? I would throw these everywhere if I didn't need them. I thought the deadline was Friday. <laughs> what the hell is going on? Could have done it at like 10 a.m.? Oh dear God, Bob Cole cut the music one time, Jesse. Ninety minutes of gluten-free goodness coming your way on this edition of Tim and Friends, starring Jesse Rubinoff, attempting to Google quicker than you can say Elon Musk. Timothy McAuliffe, attempting to write down as much notes as I possibly can. Patrick Kane, officially a ranger. The bison king is a cane. And the Leafs just went buck wild. Seriously, in the last hour, here's Elliot Friedman's timeline. First, 3.52 p.m., Eastern Time, Rasmus Sandin to Washington to Eric Gustafson and a first-rounder through Boston. If that weren't enough for you, the Leafs went and sent Pierre Engvall to the New York Islanders. This, 4.41 p.m. Eastern Time, to which the first response, bottom of your screen, the devil works hard, but Kyle Dubas works harder. <laughs> Proof that that is positive. Elliot Friedman again, this time the lucky 444 make a wish leaf fans luke shen to toronto we now know that the return on that is a third round pick we now know the return on pierre ingval is a third round pick jesse rubinoff what the hell is next in what has quickly become what a two week long nhl trade deadline extravaganza it's officially an extravaganza it is officially an extravaganza i think you'll just have to stay tuned for the next hour and a half cuz i don't think we're finished today no and we're going like to break them down nick caprios on the deal and oh. what else he's hearing sorry, on the deals plural and what else he's hearing in smoke or fire maybe just a little on gary bettman and a note that went out to all 32 gms warning them about cap circumvention, which seems a little rich at this juncture in time. What's this? Patrick Kane has 50% retained through, and then another 50% through Phoenix. Right, of course, right. Cap circumvention, top of Gary Bettman's mind. Also, jumping into the equation today, Ben Nicholson-Smith from sunny Florida. We'll take a little breather, talk a little baseball with BNS. Your voice changed. Baseball. The, the phenom. Different intensity level. Ricky Tiedemann yeah. to the bump yeah. today. I, I'm, I'm ready for it, and I can't wait till we take that little deep breath on the baseball <laughs> with the palm trees because right. we're about to go buck wild just like Kyle Dubas. I don't mean to brag. I don't mean to boast. But this show has all of the makings of something almost as amazing as this Manny Ramirez home run call. No more context needed, and it all starts with Jesse Rubinoff. First things first, so let's start the party, Jesse Pugliarvi. First things first. All right, well... The trade deadline is still four days away, and as Bob Cole told us earlier. One second. And we'll do it again. Everything is happening. Mm -hmm. It's 
Beautiful sound. The highly anticipated Patrick Kane to the Rangers deal appears to be close. According to reports, the Rangers are sending a conditional 2023 second round pick that could become a first along with a fourth round pick to Chicago for the six-time All-Star. The Blackhawks will reportedly retain 50% of Kane's salary, as Tim said, and the Coyotes will take on 50% of that 50% in exchange for the Rangers' third round Clear pick as mud, in eh? 2025. you got to be a real mathematician. <laughs> To analyze deals in the NHL, the deal is expected to be completed uh, shortly. Mm -hmm. um, the Toronto Maple Leafs then made a move of their own, sending Rasmus Sandin to the Capitals for defenseman Eric Gustafson and Boston's first-round pick, which won't be a good one, but nonetheless, a first-round pick acquired in last week's Dmitry Orlov Garnet Hathaway deal with the trade. The Leafs gained $600,000 in cap space. And Dubis wasn't done there. Tim. No, he took uh, $2.2 million in Pierre Engvall and sent that to the New York Islanders for a 2024 third round pick and then picked up Luke Shen, who goes back to the Leafs from Vancouver in exchange for another third round pick. So Jesse Rubinoff, as we now look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, they have added Eric Gustafson, who shockingly at this juncture in time would be the Leafs' leading scorer among defensemen for a guy who in the morning lines at practice today was in their fourth pairing. Uh, let me remind you, you don't dress a fourth pairing in the National Hockey League. The top six defensemen in practice today for the Toronto Maple Leafs were Riley and Hall, McCabe and Brody on the second line defensemen with Giordano and Lilligren. They also had Sandine and Timmons skating. So Sandine's gone, Gustafson's in, and Luke Shen comes back to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And if you now look at their defense core, Jesse, it seems as though there has been a complete revamping of what we were looking at to start this postseason, oh, about three weeks ago to where we are now. Obviously, you simply cannot have enough defensemen when you're trying to gear up for a run that the Leafs are hoping to have four rounds. And that is going to be an absolute battle. We know, obviously, the Eastern Conference continues to load up. So, Kyle Dubas, and you knew when the Rasmus Sandin deal happened because of the cap situation with the Leafs, you knew, you knew that the Leafs weren't going to be done there. And you knew that the picks that they had acquired were probably going to end up going another way. I don't think I foresaw it coming in the next 15 minutes, but obviously Kyle Dubas was working and probably Brandon Pridham too, working on the deals and the money, and you can never have enough depth when you're going into the postseason. When you and I had the conversation about the Ryan O'Reilly, Nolachari mm -hmm. deal, the one thing that kept popping up was the amount retained on Ryan O'Reilly and what that mm -hmm. afforded the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't think I envisioned all of this. I'm not sure in all of the conversations that we had with all of the experts that anyone mentioned not one but two defensemen and that one would go out the door in order to grab the other defensemen. So it looks like this. Morgan Riley, Justin Hall, Jake McCabe, TJ Brody, Mark Giordano, Timothy Lilligren, Eric Gustafson, and Luke Shen. Mm -hmm. Whatever you figure out here for the Toronto Maple Leafs, I think Mark Giordano, and who brought this up on the show yesterday? It was Jeff Merrick. Mm -hmm. That they're going to try and get him, given his age, where he's at, how, much how many shots time. he's yeah. blocked, how much mm -hmm. ice time he has logged, maybe some, some breathing room mm -hmm. before the postseason. And now you know how they do it. 
And the only real piece that um, Dubas loses here is Rasmus Sandin, Joey Anderson, and Pierre Engvall. It's, it's remarkable. You knew also that the Leafs' forward depth, they had some, and you, you had a feeling that Engvall and even Kerfoot's name was being thrown out there, that right. those were guys that were probably looking over their shoulder knowing that the Leafs were probably going to try and supplement their de- and especially in terms of physicality, which is what Luke Shen brings. And we know that and based McCabe. on who the Leafs are going to play in the first round and the moves that have been made by Tampa and also by Boston to become even more physical than they already were, oh, no, to have hug- now McCabe oh, and it's Shen. Hug watch. They're it's, trying to get a little bit bigger, a it's little hug bit watch. tougher. We've got it's hug watch inside. going on. This is uh, behind the scenes... In Seattle, Pierre Engvall hugging. The media was there to see Sandine go off. You just saw that. Uh, This is hug watch for the Toronto Maple Leafs as Pierre Engvall says goodbye. He is off to the New York Islanders. Uh, Rasmus Sandine is off to the Washington Capitals. And again, in return, Eric Gustafson, a first-round pick from Boston, Mm -hmm. which ended up saving them in the the Sandine deal Mm -hmm. about $400,000 to $500,000. Then you get the $2.2 million from Engvall going, and you add Luke Shen at a decent rate, even if there is no salary retention from the Vancouver Canucks. So the Canucks say goodbye to Luke Shen. The Oilers also said goodbye to Yessi Pugliarvi. He goes to Carolina for the wonderfully named Patrick Puistola and $4.4 million of cap space with one player to be called up is now what Ken Holland works with. So yes, the, Puglia, the, the Bison King era is over <laughs> yeah. in Edmonton, but immediately, Jesse, a lot of people are going, okay, Chickering, do they have enough to make a deal for Jacob Chickering? Because now they have the cap space to make that deal. Is it a Gavrikov deal with the Columbus Blue Jackets mm-hmm. that ends up seeing him go to Edmonton? There is a lot of D-men, and it seems as though Ken Holland spoke earlier today that he is intent on adding a defenseman to help supplement a core that in the last couple of days just lost to the best team on planet Earth in yeah. the Boston Bruins, yeah. despite the fact that Connor McDavid scored two to hit 50 and against the Columbus Blue Jackets, they lost 6-5 despite four points from Connor McDavid. It, it seems as though Ken Holland absolutely positively has to add to this group, and the Pugliarvi move opens the door to that. Were you not impressed with, I know people would probably would have wanted Ken Holland to have done more or accomplished more at this point, getting close to the trade deadline, because obviously based on, again, last night, it certainly seems like Connor McDavid needs help. But were you impressed by the fact that Ken Holland was able to pull this move off without having to also offer picks? Without a doubt. You actually got a piece back right. for Pugliarvi. Like that really Someone co-signed me. him in Carolina, and I know that there are those that can look at analytics and suggest that maybe the players, they gave him every chance to succeed that they possibly could in Edmonton. I know the vast majority of Oiler fans are shocked that they were able to get this contract off the books without having to retain a ton of salary, so Holland pulls it off, and we'll have to see what's next, but Listen, I don't know if it was rubbing it in last night, but 
So you get the two goals from McDavid. He hits the 50-goal plateau, and you're expecting this wild celebration in a victory over the Bruins when he ties it up at two, right? Like, you got the feeling like this was going to be one of those stage presence games from an absolute legend in the making if he's not already Mm -hmm. a legend. Mm -hmm. And as if to rub it in after the game, Boston coach Jim Montgomery said, and I quote, We've got six or seven defensemen that can really play hockey. And then we've got four lines that can really play hockey. And he said this in the post game to Nesson. And all I could think of was, that's what everyone else is trying to do right now. And it's kind of sort of funny to look at the Canadian teams trying to supplement. And you said to me, like, they're so understated in their brilliance, the 100%. Boston Bruins. Yeah. We had a conversation in the makeup room. In the makeup room. Where Jesse was like, they're just so low-key in how great they are. And it's so true. And I I know Mark Spector wrote about it a little bit yesterday about how the holes in the Oilers roster were exposed despite McDavid's brilliance. Mm -hmm. And to me, seeing that team with all that depth do what they did to Edmonton just made all of the holes in Edmonton's lineup appear bigger. Yeah. And it was a masterclass from McDavid. And yet the last two games, it hasn't been enough. And listen, he called the start and the finish against Columbus embarrassing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We talked to him earlier this year. He's been, he's been way more honest this year than I've ever That's heard spoken. Connor McDavid. Mm-hmm. Yep. And earlier today, he was asked about other teams adding at the deadline, and here's what he said. You're always thinking about your team um, and, and kind of how you stack up. So um, definitely not uh, definitely not a fan of uh, of teams absolutely loading up so far. But um, you know, obviously uh, uh, that's going to happen this time of year, and and um, yeah. So he's watching everyone else load up, especially in the East, and thinking, what the hell's next? And apparently, yeah. Elliot Friedman's timeline is again this lighting is, up. This is so funny, because before the Leafs made the Shen deal, and reading Mark Spector's article uh, this morning, one of the glaring weaknesses for the Oilers just happens to be the physicality of their defense. And I was thinking, like, maybe Luke Shen would be a decent piece for the Oilers to perhaps mm-hmm. go after. And now you hear Elliot Friedman with this tweet saying, hearing Edmonton and Nashville working on a Matthias Ekholm deal talks intensifying. So you knew all along that Ken Holland was going to be looking for a defenseman first and foremost because that has been the real issue for the Oilers this season. Yes, obviously there are depth concerns, but defensively they are not strong enough. They allow way too many goals. The goaltending has been suspect, but the best way to paper that over, if you will, is to get better, bigger, stronger, and more steady defensively, and that they haven't been that this year. And Ekholm is that 6'4", 215 pounds. He's a left-shot defenseman that would immediately go top four uh, on this team, and that would definitely help them out. The Pugliarvi to Carolina also, uh, it seems as though uh, Teravine and Kakanyemi all share an agent with yeah. Pugliarvi, so they get the co-sign in Carolina, and that gets the salary off of the books for the Edmonton Oilers and... They might be able to spend it on Matias Eckel. Hold on a second. So, can we just embrace this for one second with Ken Holland and Kyle Dubas? I would love to. Because about a week ago, they were both tied in a knot with the salary cap. Were they not? Like, they, Ken Holland was dollar in, dollar out. We're not going to be able to get very much done because we're 
were hampered by the salary cap. Mm-hmm. Kyle Dubas, I don't think anybody thought there was going to be this magnitude of deals for sure. And now he's done, what, four deals in the last, five deals in the last week? Well, the reason why he, Dubas, had to make these deals was because of the salary cap. Mm-hmm. I don't think that he envisioned giving up Rasmus Sandin at this time in his career to the Washington Capitals. But because they were up against that crunch, that became a way to alleviate some of the problems and get a little tougher on their back end. And I don't think anyone in the world, like, we can go back through all of the articles on the internet, all the tweets that you want. I don't think anyone suggested that Ken Holland would be able to maneuver his way out of a Pugliarvi deal without having to retain some sort of salary. And he pulled it off. He pulled it off. And because he pulled it off, he's able to add to this team without some major, major surgery and or juggling here. There's, there's even more coming through here. Uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, according to their... Not more. Come on. Uh, ...public relations. Now, this isn't an official trade or anything, but uh, Jonas Corposalo is unavailable for tonight's game at Buffalo due to trade-related reasons. So, make, make of that Jonas what you will. Corposalo. Jonas Corposalo. And Who needs a goalie? I do, this is going to sound crazy, but I, I do wonder... I do wonder if... We're talking about the Leafs and the Oilers. Literally. Those are the two teams I was going to suggest. And and now, I'm looking for the official numbers, but I think we did the math together. The Leafs, it appears, based on these moves, are now under the salary cap. Right. (laughs) This was quick math. And for those just joining us, like the last one came through 16 minutes before air. I, and we were juggling the numbers yeah. upstairs, downstairs, so all over I'm the place. I'm having a blast. Okay. So, so Corposalo's <laughs> cap hit is $1.3 million. So, <laughs> okay, so Leafs traded Sandine for Gustafson. Hold on, hold After on, the hold deal. On, hold on, hold on. I'm going through the math. I know you're going through the math. You're not suggesting that the Toronto Maple Leafs, who were trying to figure out a way to activate Matt, Matt Murray, Murray, I got it, are trading for a goalie in Jonas Corposalo. Are you? Yes. <laughs> okay. So, right. so Leafs traded for Gustafson after Not the deal. Not the Oilers. After the deal. No. Well, okay. the, o- the Oilers, we can talk Next. about that in a second. Okay. They were $500,000 over the cap there. Then they traded Pierre Engvall to the Islanders for a third-round pick. Engvall makes $2.2 million. Then they acquire Luke Shen, and Luke Shen makes $850,000. So just doing that math, they would be, if there's no retention anywhere, they would be under the cap. To your point, the Matt Murray thing complicates things because... They could have, theoretically, if he wasn't healthy, stashed him or done something with that to try and maneuver their way out of the salary cap. But instead, they decided to trade Rasmus Sandin. So that would complicate things from a Corpus Allo perspective because you're not going to carry three well, goaltenders. Let, okay, so let's walk this road next. And again... Everything is happening. But earlier today, Frank Saravelli started the day with a tweet that's on my computer, director Matty Taylor. Um, NHL sent a memo to 32 GMs today advising that acquiring injured players at the deadline to stash them on cap until playoffs will be closely scrutinized for cap circumvention. Now, I know there's a lot of folks that just watched the Tampa Bay Lightning win a Stanley Cup $20 million over the cap because they stashed Nikita Kucherov and yeah. acted him for the postseason saying, now we're interested in cap circumvention. And there was an idea that the Leafs, and listen, I don't know if I bought into this, but there was an idea that the Leafs were going to do that with yeah. Matt Murray and play with, listen, 
Joseph Wall has done pretty well in the AHL, and I think they wanted to give him a shot here. Um, but there was the idea that they would do that with Matt Murray, stash him on the LTIR, and then they'd have that kind of cap room to mess around with as well. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if that's part of the equation, but if it's Jonas Corposalo to any of these Canadian teams, we're about to have the deadline today, never mind Friday. Oh, I think it's pretty safe to say the deadline, the deadline happened today. Uh, Cap Friendly just tweeting this out. Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs update after trading Engvall and acquiring Shen. Uh, projected cap hit 88.7 million. Projected cap space is the important thing. Or projected cap space zero. zero. So they're not over. Doesn't appear that they're under. So maybe they are in fact finished. But I, Corpusalo is really interesting for the Oilers too. Like you said it. Really interesting for the Oilers. Because well, you, you know, let, let, let's be fair. You said it. I said it. I said it. But but you did you know I was going to say it or did you have an inkling? Yeah, I thought you were going to go that way because okay. we were just talking about Pugliarv, the Oilers, right. the room that they made, whether or not they're getting Matthias Ekholm from the Nashville Predators. Like so this is an unbelievable lead up to an arms race in the East and what could be and dare I say this, the most interesting race and first round that we have seen in the NHL in a long time. Like, think about this. We're pretty sure at this point, awaiting an official tweet from one of the teams that Patrick Kane is no longer a member of the Chicago Blackhawks, mm-hmm. that he will join a Rangers team that will have a top six that reads like Chris Kreider, Mika Zibanejad, Vladimir Tarasenko, Artemi Panarin, Vincent Trocek, and that dude, Patrick Kane. And we are 22 minutes into this show, and we haven't even got there. Like, think of the teams that could be losing in the first round in the East right now, and... That squad that we just talked about with a ridiculous, like that's dropping Barkley Goudreau down, right? Which would be in a lot of teams' top six. Yeah, where's Capo Caco playing? The fourth line? Like it's. With, with Alexi Lafreniere, Lafreniere, the first overall. Yeah. Remember when they wrote a note to their fans saying, we're going to rebuild here, bear with us? What the hell happened? It's amazing. It's, the thing I wonder is like, they're good. And, and they were good before Patrick Kane. But were they great? And was it was it a move you want to make now when the East is this loaded? Because you're potentially looking at the, maybe the hardest road to the Cup final that we have seen in what? How long? May, may, like maybe since I've been following hockey. Honestly, I'd have to I'd have to go back. But to have teams the think in the East in the East. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 in the East. Yeah. The, the season the Bruins are having, the fact that the Lightning have been there so many times before, mm-hmm. Carolina has been a wagon for, for years now. They just haven't been able to get over the hump. Yeah, well, now they got Bison King. So. Now they got Bison King. Yeah. Uh, the Leafs are clearly as all-in as they have, have ever been. And now the Rangers go and get Kane. You just mentioned their top six. Like, it's, it's nuts. It is. It is nuts. And you, you look down that list, and you didn't even mention Timo Meyer going to the New To the Jersey. Devils, yeah, who are like the most all, fun team in the whole conference. Because we're all forgetting yeah. all of the deals that have happened, and we're not even a day. It's Tuesday. Not even 24 hours within the deadline. Uh, here's uh, speaking of the Toronto Maple Woo. Leafs, Kyle Dubas speaking about his newest, excuse me, Sheldon Keefe, not Kyle Dubas, Sheldon Keefe talking about Sorry, we're, we're flying by the seat of our pants here. Talking about Luke Shen. 
Luke Shen's a guy who's been in the league, of course, and and uh, a long time former Leaf, and you know that he's a guy that is as competitive and physical as as there is uh, in the league, and uh, great experience. Obviously, won a Stanley Cup. I've uh, been a part of uh, winning teams down there in Tampa, but has done a great job in Vancouver. But has also a guy who spent time in the minors and worked his way back, like talking about character guys and team guys. Uh, just another uh, great one. I know he's, uh, I haven't been able to talk to him here yet, but you know, Kyle talked to him and he's really excited to be coming back to Toronto. I have the perfect tweet coming off of that. <laughs> okay. Uh, Lane writes in and says, we are making too many trades at this point. Chemistry is going to be bad. <laughs> there's too many, there's too many new Leafs coming in. I, I would assume that he's talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, I, is, yeah. I got one too. Uh, Harry writes in and says, now get us some goaltending. This is what it felt like from around 4 p.m. Eastern in studio. Yeah, <laughs> it has been absolutely insane. So we're going to get to a bunch of your feedback and what you think about these deals. I got one that I can't put up on air because it just says, what the bleep is Ken Holland doing? We're going to go over all that. Ekholm's a good deal. We're, be a all, good deal. we're also going to go to Nick Kiprios, who is going to join us in the second hour. We'll see if we can get him a little early because of what's going on here. And... Cap Friendly just said this is the highest traffic that they've seen. Hopefully for us, too. So Nick <laughs> Kiprios and the flurry of deals that we have seen so far and maybe what we can expect next if anyone's left. They're going to tape their show on Friday because everything is going to be done. <laughs> or it's going to be just as crazy. Plus, after the, how can you add more? You can't. I don't know. Unless there's a goalie out there. Plus, after the break, busy day for the Jays. Games in Dunedin and Clearwater. They split the squads. We'll get your highlights. Ben Nicholson-Smith and more on everything is happening in the National Hockey League. Canadian soccer has systemic issues, has done for, for decades, you ask any ex-player. So this is the beginning, certainly. Um, will it mean mass resignations? I, I don't know about that. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. A sun-soaked afternoon here in Dunedin, Florida for the second game at TD Ballpark for the Toronto Blue Jays. Court down the right field line, hooked into the corner. A sliding catch made by Biggio. He comes up going to first to get the double play. What a play by Cavan in the corner. Austin out of the box, thrown in front and tapped home. Connor McDavid has hit 50 for the first time in his career. All right, Jesse, we were on on the Matthias Ekholm from Elliot Friedman just moments ago. In fact, seven minutes ago, Matthias Ekholm will be going to Edmonton. Not fully sure of the return. Multiple pieces and picks. For those who don't know, he's in the first year of a four-year deal that will see him earn $6.25 million. So the 32-year-old left shot D, and for those wondering, 6'4", 215, to help maybe clear some bodies in Edmonton and help offensively, will be headed to the Oilers along with Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid, et al. But the Pugliarvi deal only opened up $4.4 million in cap room. So mm -hmm. when we hear more... We will pass it along to you, Jesse. Did I miss anything in that synopsis of the latest 
in the cavalcade. Dare I go to extravaganza again? No, I don't, I don't think you missed anything. Right. I'm just uh, waiting on, the, I think the terms of the day or the week are retention. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a big one. Salary retention we'll see, we'll on see at if home there's any, over four years. Yeah, I will see if there's Maybe. anything there. Yeah. Because, or otherwise, there's going to be significant picks. pieces and yeah. picks going back the other way to clear the room. So as of right now, Rasmus Sandin to the Caps, Pierre Engvall to the Islanders, Luke Shen from Vancouver to Toronto, Puyarvi to Carolina, Matthias Ekholm to Edmonton, and oh yeah, we're still waiting for Patrick Kane, who appears as though he has been added to a pretty decent top six in New York. Where does chicken grow now? <laughs> <laughs> Got it good, and since you understood, let's take a little bit of a breather and walk down a breezy... No, wait. The Jays split their squads and played two games yes, today? Yes, oh, yes. dear God. <laughs> two split squad games. Regulars hosted the Tigers in Dunedin, a game you saw live on Sportsnet with Stutter. Chris Bassett making his Blue Jays debut. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. feeling good, and I would too. Two home runs, four RBIs, and just five at-bats so far this spring. Feeling good. Meanwhile, Chris Bassett, fresh off of signing three years, 63 million. Top one, getting by with a little help from his friends. First baby, a baby girl. Court down the right field line, hooked into the corner. A sliding catch made by Biggio. He comes up throwing to first to get the double play. What a play by Calvin in the corner. Is this the improved defense we're looking at, yeah. Jesse? Calvin Biggio Bassett allowed one earned run over two innings, and then he joined the broadcast to have a little convo. With your teammates, somebody you didn't really need to visit with too long to get to know is your former teammate in Oakland, Matt Chapman. How does it feel having him over at third base again? Yeah, awesome. I mean, the more and more, I, I, didn't, throw many, uh, I didn't throw many sinkers into oh, this guy. There he is. <laughs> right on cue on a bounce, and Vladdy into the splits to get the out to retire the side. I can tell you're smiling all the way from here watching that. Settle in and get used to it all season long. His first season on cue for Bassett and the boys. Uh, awesome stuff from Vladdy 6 for the final. By the way, did you see they released? The bobblehead looks and Vladdy's splits is part of that. Yeah. The promotion schedule's out for the Blue Jays. Meantime, other game, Jose Barrios got the start against the Phillies. Looked sharp. He went two scoreless innings, one walk, two strikeouts, 36 pitches. If he got back to form, that makes a huge difference. Uh, meanwhile, Thomas Hatch got lit up. He gave up five earned runs in less than an inning as the Jays lost to the Phillies in this one. So they split the squads and split the games in his February draws to the close. And we've got hockey deals coming out, the yin-yang. I love talking baseball, especially seeing sun-soaked reporters while I drive home in snowstorms, hence the presence of Ben Nicholson-Smith. And I promise, Benny, I'm not jealous at all. I swear I'm not jealous. You know what? I just got down here the other day, Tim, and it is great to be here. I'm sorry if that makes you jealous, but it, it is great to be here. No, I, I, if you didn't say it was great to be there, I'd be upset. Uh, before we go big picture here, Benny, let's start with what we saw today. Uh, Ricky Tiedemann hype is real. Uh, what did you see live action today? 
honestly, he looked great. And it's only one inning. He's 20 years old. It's hard not to get ahead of ourselves in a situation like this. But, you know, this is a guy who ranks 31st in all of baseball on, on the prospect list by Baseball America. And he showed why today. He was 98, 99 miles an hour facing Javi Baez, Austin Meadows, and Matt Vierling, three major league players. The results were there, two strikeouts and a 6-3 ground out. He was composed. He was calm. Afterwards, John Schneider really impressed with what he saw. I mean, again, this is it would be totally unrealistic to assume that he will not have some bumps in the roads because every pitcher will, but he was really impressive today. Okay, so let, let's break this down. Where are we between uh, Alec Manoa hype and Nate Pearson hype? Because they've both turned out a little different. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I think that difference really underscores, you know, the wide range of possibilities here ahead for Tiedemann. And he said afterwards he wants to carve out his own path. Of course, he'll have the chance to do that potentially really soon, too. I mean, he finished last year at double A. This coming season, chances are he'll start at double A again and then work his way up from there. So, you know, we'll see where it goes. But He's someone who's ahead of both those guys, actually. I mean, both Pearson and Manoa, they debuted at 23 years old. Tiedemann is 20. I mean, that's really young to be in the upper minors, having the kind of success that he is. So, you know, a a lot of work still has to go into his development. Um, He probably has to face some adversity before he is a fully formed major league pitcher, of course. But so far, so good. All right, let's go veteran then. Barrios or Bassett, which one tickles your fancy a little more in conversation? Well, I watched Bassett, and I was not at the game with Barrios, so let's right. go with Bassett today. Okay. So, so let's start with that veteran. I mean, obviously, that's a key pickup for this team when you're looking at starting rotation depth. I know you can't tell a lot from today, but just being around the ball yard and hearing people talk about him today and hearing him talk, what do you make of the, the Bassett pickup so far? Yeah, it's a, it's a great pickup, and I think that for a team that lost Ross Stripling, you have to find ways to replace those innings, and Bassett can definitely do that. But it's interesting, you know, especially as we're talking about Tiedemann and all the excitement that he brings for the Jays moving forward. Even today, you know, he's out there with, you know, the shades on afterwards and pretty flashy and pretty excited, and as he should be, right? He's 20 years old doing these things at the highest level. Why not get excited at that point? But For Bassett, it's a little different. You know, he's been through this before. He's throwing, you know, not at his max effort. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to impress anybody. He just has to get ready. And as he said today, he's got another month. So it's a bit of more of a measured approach, as you'd probably expect. And it's it's what you'd want, too, um, from a veteran pitcher like Bassett. All right, for those uh, tuning in for the breaking hockey news, we have uh, a ton coming up with Nick Kiprios. Matthias Eklom, three more years, $6.25 million, is now a member of the Edmonton Oilers. We'll get to a bunch of that with Kiprios in the next segment. Trust me, we're going to get to everything that is happening in the National Hockey League. Betty, let's zoom out a little bit here then. And I, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about the pitch clock. We had Jeff Passan here yesterday. Uh, he was effusive in his praise and what he's seen so far. What's your biggest takeaway about the pitch clock so far? Honestly, I love it. Like It's, it's great. Uh, I think it's going to speed things up. Um, you're not going to lose anything from the game of baseball. I mean, it's still nine innings. You're still going to have the same amount of action, maybe more with some of the other rule changes. And I don't think anyone's going to walk away from a game after two hours and 35 minutes and say, I just really need another 30 minutes of baseball. I love baseball. Like it's, it's my favorite thing, obviously. But, you know, at the same time, there are, you know, I don't think we need to, to drag it out um, in the way that it was. So I think the pitch clock is going to be just great 
for everyone. It's even going to keep players off their feet. I think that's going to be a good development, maybe keep them a little bit healthier. So, uh, you know, I've yet to hear a lot of opposition to it, and I think it's going to be a really good step. I, I don't want to be prone to hyperbole, and we're running out of time here, but is there a possibility that the pitch clock is the single greatest rule change in the last 25 years, all sports? Yeah, I mean that, and arguably, you know, drug testing was a big step for baseball too. I think that, uh, yeah. you know, although that wasn't a rule change, it was just an addition True. of a rule. <laughs> right, just yeah. adding some legislation that yeah. probably had to happen. Yeah. Although it was I already enjoy illegal the in the United States up. of America, they just <laughs> yeah. added a rule right. to make sure that the illegal in the United States of America was applied to their game as well. And that was necessary. That was a, <laughs> yes. that was a good step. Yeah. <laughs> so not saying otherwise. But, um, but yeah, I think as, as far as rule changes go, the, uh, the pitch clock is great. I'm not sure what else would really compare. And I know we haven't seen it in the regular season yet, but I, I think it's going to be a huge step. Benny, love doing this with you. I, I am jealous uh, in a good way. Enjoy it, and we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds great. Thanks, Tim. There's Ben Nicholson-Smith down in Dunedin. Jay split squad, split the game. So if you're just joining us, a little bit of breaking news off the top of the show. And by a little bit, I mean Rasmus Sandin has been traded by the Toronto Maple Leafs to the Washington Capitals for a first-round pick in Eric Gustafson. That was one of three deals, Jesse Rubinoff, that the Leafs made mm-hmm. in about an hour before the show. Pierre Engvall, the New York Islanders for a third-round pick. Luke Shen, back to the Leafs from the Vancouver Canucks. The Oilers have traded Jesse Pugliarvi to Carolina, then used that cap space to somehow find Matthias Ekholm from the Predators. He's in the first of a four-year deal that pays him $6.25 million. And in the middle of all that, I was just trying to recap what we had. Patrick Kane to the Rangers. Rubinoff raised his hand again. Is something else going on? We have the official return as per Elliot Friedman for the Ekholm deal. Okay. And I figured that was a perfect time yeah, to, no, that is an to interrupt you. Sorry. Perfect time. Um, Ekholm and a sixth Tyson to Edmonton. Barry does Tyson Berry, Reed Schaefer, a first this year and a fourth. Wow. <laughs> this is wild, Timmy. So that's how they can afford Ekholm because they put Tyson Berry's deal into mm. the mix. That had been rumored out there, and there are those in Edmonton that would suggest to you that Tyson Berry has been among their top three, maybe two defensemen, and depending on who you talk to, maybe even their best if you weigh offensive stats above most other things. That's where you're trading, right? You're trading the offensive output from the back end for a more well-rounded defenseman, at least you think it But it's not like they have a ton of depth on the back end yeah. to be trading, but if you want Ekholm, you got to give something up. And Tyson Berry is that something. After the break, we'll catch our breath on all the NHL moves. The Leafs and Kyle Dubas go bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Kiprios next. It feels like deadline day today. More on the way. Vancouver, Edmonton, Toronto. All in the mix. Usually, Nick Kiprios joins us in the final half hour on Tuesdays. He has been kind enough to join us a little early. Holy crap, the last hour. I'll just open the door to you. What jumps out at you over the last hour? Leafs, Oilers, Kane to the Rangers. I just think that, uh, you know, a couple teams addressed some some blue line help uh, the last little while. The one that we just saw in Edmonton uh, at home. 
regarded as one of the better shutdown guys in the league. I, I know he's getting up there in age, but I still think that uh, he's got two, three prime years ahead of him. Uh, should cover off his contract. I like the fact that uh, Edmonton didn't have to give up one of their young studs in in Broberg or Evan Bouchard, mm-hmm. even for the Leafs to go and do what they've done uh, in the last 24 hours and not give up uh, Matthew Nyes or uh, Fraser Minton. And there's a there's a name that hasn't been kind of bantered around, but uh, a lot of teams were asking the Toronto Maple Leafs about Fraser Minton, and uh, so far. Didn't cost Kyle Dubas uh, those two gems. When you think about what's come off the roster for both of these teams, I mean, some of it is shocking when you think about Jesse Pugliarvi going to Carolina and apparently no retained salary on Pugliarvi. You're able to get that cap space and then help turn it into Matias Ackholm. For those Oilers fans that don't know what they're getting, I mean, Earlier today, Ken Holland said he'd be willing to part with a first-round pick for a rental. He got much more than a rental. This is the first year of a four-year deal. I know you said he's 32 and he's getting up there, but this is like a real-deal shutdown defenseman that's in, like, is it Nurse in Ekholm now? I got to think that uh, they're going to lead the way in some way, shape, or form. Uh, But they're getting a guy that's got experience as well and, uh, you know, comes from a long list of, of defending uh, Nashville Predators, you look over their history, have produced some 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 of the best defensemen we've had in the last uh, 10, 15 years. Uh, go back to Shea Weber, Roman Yossi. These guys yeah. know how to play defense. He knows how to defend. And that, uh, that's ultimately a, a key component to winning Stanley Cup. Love the offense, uh, but you got to have guys that can mine the fort. And uh, Ekholm did it as well as anybody the last few years, and we'll we'll do it well in Edmonton. Do you, do you think that's it for Ken Holland and the Edmonton Oilers? I mean, these are two pretty significant moves if you include Pugliarvi among yeah. the significant moves. Well, I mean, getting Barry's contract out of there uh, was the savior in all of this to, to bring on Ekholm's contract. Again, teams are still pressed up against the cap here in Edmonton. There's no question with this. Uh, I, I don't know how much wiggle room there is and how much movement you want to uh, continue. Uh, They look pretty good. They were obviously a a move or two away from competing against the Boston Bruins last night. Um, But Ekholm can come in and and change the scope of even a last night's hockey game by by a a goal by the Boston Bruins to win it. Uh, The Leafs are in the same predicament. We've seen Kyle Dubas doing a lot of shuffling, but at the end of the day, still couldn't make the cap work without getting rid of... uh, Pierre Engvall's contract as well. Mm-hmm. That enabled him to swing the deal for uh, for uh, Luke, Shen. Uh, Luke Shen or uh, Gustafson mm-hmm. uh, out of uh, Washington. It's interesting when you look at, listen, there, there's two leading defense scorers moving right now in the last little while. Tyson Berry's one of them, 43 points, leads the way. Uh, Reed Schaefer's a 19-year-old who's a 32nd overall pick. So there are significant pieces going back the other way for Ekholm. And when it comes to Gustafson, he led, he would lead the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now that he's on the team, he would lead them in defense scoring. So you move Sandine, who in the morning skate, when they were doing lines, wasn't even in their top six. Now, I know yeah. that he is a good defenseman and has played well for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and a lot of people think that he's an analytics darling. I would question that playing as a third-line guy because sometimes you get favorable matchups there. But 
Did you think that that was a lot to give up for the Toronto Maple Leafs to make about $500,000 in cap space? Uh, no. No. No, I, I don't. And at the end of the day, you did turn Sandine into a first-round pick yeah. as the Boston uh, first-rounder leaves Washington and heads over. I, I think it's a wash at best, Gustafson, for, for Sandine. I know the age is uh, a little bit different. Yeah, yeah a little different. But I, I didn't see Sandine coming in and being a difference maker for the Toronto Maple Leafs this season. Mm-hmm. And Gustafson still, to me, is a guy that uh, can, can play in your third pair, uh, maybe on – the first two games against the Tampa Bay Lightning, he's not even in the lineup. But if anything was to happen to uh, Riley on the power play, I don't think you're, you're worried about him coming in and, uh, and maybe quarterbacking. But Look at the depth. A li- little least, bit. Uh, blue line all of a sudden. Yeah, lot, lot different. Connor Timmons has come in, made some noise, but this guy should not see any power play time uh, with the guys in front of him. Uh, a good project. Continuing into the next few years for Connor Timmins, but uh, a much deeper blue line, a tougher blue line. Luke Shen possibly going up against Tanner Janot, who just came in and wanted, wants to show some muscle in that first yeah. round. Leafs got some guys that can go shoulder to shoulder. Okay, I want to I want to hammer down on a couple of things, including getting some tweets uh, for you from our audience. But it's obvious that the Toronto Maple Leafs are all in. I'm going to ask a tough question. Yeah. Is this the wrong year for the Toronto Maple Leafs to be all in? Uh, the Leafs or Kyle Dubas? Well, that I think those are <laughs> uh, Kyle needs to do this. Kind of sort of intertwined. Kyle's uh, in it to save his job right, right now. So for him, as long as he's got the green light from Brendan Shanahan uh, and and the MLSC board. Uh, this is all about him trying to extend a, another year out of a contract or but a multi-year. But might there not be Leaf fans saying, why wasn't this the case last year or the year before? That, that's a fair argument, yeah. 100%. Uh, and it, it, it needed – this is the roster he probably should have started a lot earlier. And whatever the case is, we're going to find out in a, in a real short hurry whether or not uh, – uh, the moves uh, have been made in time for him, but yeah. uh, at least it gives him some sort of a, a, a fighting chance. That, Literally that, and figuratively. That prior lineup, <laughs> top five regular season, yeah. didn't matter. You weren't going shoulder to shoulder, toe to toe with the likes of Tampa Bay and, and Boston again. And that, that's, that's where your playoffs start. He's had since November to build a roster that he thought could go shoulder to shoulder and and now I think he has one I think uh did you hear what Tom Fitzgerald we're going to take the break and I promise to the producers we're going to get to a bunch of tweets send them in at to my friends did you hear what Tom Fitzgerald said after they got Timo Meyer about how everything changes in the postseason I think there's like a bunch of Leaf fans that were going yeah yeah like we were saying that three years ago four years ago all right on the other side we're still less than 72 hours from the NHL trade deadline, but it feels like it's happening right now. Who else will be moved? We'll discuss the latest and greatest with Nick Kiprios as Hug Watch continues right here on Tim and Friends. What more can happen? Kane, Shen, Sandine, at home, home. Jump it. Sports talk with Jim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Uh, 
allow me to quote Bob Cole. <laughs> Thank you very much, Chief Dog. <laughs> Back here, final half an hour, Tim and friends. Tim McAuliffe along with Nick Kiprios. Jesse Rubinoff is over there taking your tweets on what has been an incredibly busy day in the hockey world. And we're still four days away from the trade deadline. Let's get you caught up to date. All right, Patrick Kane is on his way to the Rangers, as has been speculated for a while. Now, the deal is not official as of yet, but expected to be any time now. Kane moves on after 15 and a half seasons with the Hawks to return. We're hearing second rounder, which could become a first rounder if the Rangers make the conference final this year, plus a fourth rounder. Coyotes will be the third team in the deal to make the money work. Kane a free agent after this season. Kipper, will he resign in New York? No, no. Absolutely no room. Uh, Fox's deal, uh, Zibanejad's deal, uh, I, I, this is pure rental for me. Right. I'm just wondering between Panera and Zabanajad, Tresenko, Kane, Kreider, who's back checking? <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna see. <laughs> I'm not sold on the range. The top six is ridiculous. I'm not sold on them either. But there is a lot of talent on that team. Oh no, without a doubt. Yeah. And maybe too much in right. terms of a chemistry thing yeah. as well. And again, if you've got Fox on the back end on a power play, uh, Panarin, Zibanejad, Tarasenko, Kane, Kreider, uh, right. one doesn't belong. Who's sitting on the bench? Tarasenko? Tough decisions. Listen, I, that, that's the kind of guy that, uh, you know, you don't want pouting. Right. He's been a horse. He's also been a pain in the rear yes. end, and you can ask Craig Berube and the St. Louis Blues about that. All right, let's get to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Another busy day for them. First, they send Rasmus Sandin to the Caps for Eric Gustafsson and Boston's first pick. Now, with the deal, and this is a part of the equation in all of these, they gain about $600,000 in cap space. Kyle Dubas not done there. He sends $2.2 million and Pierre Ingvall's deal to the New York Islanders. All he gets back is the third round pick, but that's because he needed that $2 million to go out and get Luke Shen from the Vancouver Canucks for a third round pick in this year's draft. Kipper and I are going to get to all of these, but the Oilers also got their defenseman, a little bigger name, Matthias Ekholm from the Predators, 32-year-old signed for the next three seasons after this one. First year of a four-year deal that pays him $6.2 million per. In exchange, Oilers send Tyson Berry, their leading scorer among defensemen, 19-year-old Reed Schaefer, a former first overall pick, along with a 23 first-round pick and a 23 fourth-round pick. Got it good, and since you understood, they had that space because they dealt Jesse Pugliarvi to the Canes in exchange for my new favorite name in hockey, Patrick Pistola. More importantly, the Oilers aren't retaining any salary, so they clear the $3 million AAV off their books, trying to add that defenseman before the deadline, which they did. And of course, Matthias Ekholm. He was the fourth overall pick back in 2016, but as you know from all the chatter in Edmonton, it never really worked out there. Plenty more on the deal. Uh, Kipper is going to talk about that one, but we got to get to the games on the ice. Do you want to stop on the Oilers for a second, or shall we get to the? No, rest you go, of the and then we'll go back. All right. I feel like I'm leaving you out. No, I'm good. Do that. I'm All good. Right. I watch the... your show. I'd be home eating. On... <laughs> 
He Sitting nachos. on the couch, nachos, <laughs> having a little Buddha. All right, well, nice. we'll, we'll crack that in about 25 <laughs> minutes. Uh, on the ice tonight, the Flames are hosting the Bruins here across the country. Sportsnet 1 West and Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, 7 Mountain Time with more on this one. Let's go live. Ryan Leslie, first off, Ryan, any trades in the last two seconds? Uh, no, and I thought that was adorable listening to Kipper say the New York Rangers have too much talent. He was on a very talented team in the 90s, as you may recall, in New York. So adorable, Kipper, but uh, they're going to be okay. Uh, hey, listen, the Flames are uh, coming into this game against the Boston Bruins, and there are no trades. There's not a lot going on here. It's awfully quiet. Uh, the deadline is looming, and everybody else is making moves, but it's still very quiet here in Calgary. And uh, there was, I know, some interest in Luke Shen, certainly. Uh, that didn't materialize for whatever reason, but uh, certainly is a new home in Toronto. And as far as this game tonight, everybody knows how dangerous and how deadly the Boston Bruins are. They've just feasted on the West as well. They're great when they score first. They're undefeated. Best team in the league. They do not lose when they score that first goal. Uh, tonight it will be Dan Vladar between the pipes for Calgary, who when you look at this week, this week yeah. I think you will know, like so many other teams, will kind of have a sense of which way it's going. Not just because the trade deadline at the end of the week, but You've got the Boston Bruins in town tonight. And then on Thursday, the Toronto Maple Leafs, that revamped lineup that they have, including former Flame Mark Giordano. And we all know about the little bit of history with Ryan O'Reilly and the attempt that the Flames had years ago to try and get him. But uh, it's a dangerous week. Bruins, Leafs, and then Minnesota. So you get the sense in these parts, anyhow, uh, Tim, that this week is really going to tell you where you're at. Are you in or are you just in the way? Yeah, that's the interesting part of all this, and I guess the million-dollar question in Calgary, and I don't know if you have the answer, but are they buyers or sellers in Calgary? That's just it. I, I don't know if this team has given True Living enough of an indication to go out and sacrifice high draft picks to try and get that help. They may. There's time. But as we know, there's names on the move now. So right now, it's kind of appears, anyhow, from the outside looking in, to be a holding pattern. I love the line, Leslie, because back when I had luxurious long hair and me and the boys mm -hmm. were going out, either you're in or you're in the way. So let's go, boys. Thanks for dropping in, Leslie. Here's <laughs> right, Leslie. In Calgary, Winnipeg, another team feeling the pressure. The Winnipeg Jets hosting the Kings. Jets have lost three in a row, five of their last six. Played one of their worst games of the year at home to the Islanders last time out. With more on the Jets, let's check in with Sean Reynolds. Sean, you warned us, tough stretch for the Jets here, eh? Yeah, and I'm going to paint a picture for you. Let's set it up. It's about 2.30 in the morning. It's a bar. Everyone's cleared out, and there's that one guy slumped over sleeping at the bar. That's the Winnipeg Jets. The barkeep coming over to wake him up. That's Kevin off and the stick that he is poking them with. That is Nino Niederreiter, <laughs> the guy they brought in to try and get this team going to the net to grind a little bit more. The problem is it's not really an ad because he comes in, but Cole Perfetti is out, so he's just kind of filling that spot. And in a game tonight where they really need to get something going against the LA Kings, Pierre-Luc Dubois sounds like he may not play. Mason Appleton uh, is not going to play. There's a good wow. chance the Jets are going to play this game 11-7, and which means they're actually in a worse spot than they've been the last little while when and they've gone on that stretch of losing five of their last six games. I know there's always been a lot of talk about what Kevin Shovel-Dayoff does at the deadline. Uh, everyone else is moving right now. I'm sure a few folks in Winnipeg are getting as antsy as the horn guy. Yeah, I, I think Ryan Leslie uh, summed it up 
pretty much the same thing happening here in Winnipeg. You are supposed to go into the trade deadline as a team looking like you're carved out of wood, you're a bare-knuckle boxer, and you're asking your general manager to get you a couple pairs of brass knuckles to go kick some butt. The Winnipeg Jets, a trade deadline acquisition at this stage, would be a drowning man being thrown a life preserver. They have wow. shown no strength, and this team is potentially a year away from entirely tearing down players like Mark Shifley, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Connor Hellebuck, and it's really a big question if you're Kevin Cheveldayoff. Are you going to sacrifice the future for what you're seeing from this core? They've made that decision very, very hard on Kevin Cheveldayoff. Sean, appreciate you not pulling any punches, especially when you're holding brass knuckles, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> there is no Sean problem. Reynolds. It seems like he's going after people. Is he right speaking now. from personal experience? <laughs> no, I don't know. Sleeping on a bar and having like, somebody wake you up. Yeah, and then the brass knuckles part. Yeah. Something Reynolds not telling us here. All right, in Ottawa, the Sens try and follow up last night. I mean, listen, we haven't even talked about this. This was a tour de force from Brady and the boys. Can they do it again tonight? Maybe Pierre Dorian can think a little bit more ahead of Friday's deadline if they do it again. With more, let's go live to Ottawa and Kyle Bukowskis warmly attired in our nation's capital. Yes, the only problem was I forgot my gloves on the way to the <laughs> ring here this afternoon, Tim. That was the only mistake I made rushing out the door. But, you know, surely the Ottawa GM had to be thinking after watching last night that his team certainly would have no issue with the physicality of the playoffs if they do get there one day, assuming they will one day. Is it this season? Well, their math still isn't great, but it certainly does look a lot better if they're able to pick up another win against Detroit here tonight. They go into the night's action five points back of the final wildcard spot in the Eastern Conference. But let's go back to the physicality. You mentioned the Tour de Force. I thought, given the stakes of last night for this Ottawa team, it was a really impressive performance. Led by their captain, Brady Kachuk. Five hits recorded. It seemed like he had a lot more. Eight shots on goal. Scored a goal. Nearly punched a hole through the glass in celebration. And then to cap it all off, we saw him challenging the entire Red Wings bench at the end of the second period. But can they replicate that type of effort and energy required here tonight will be the big question. How do the Red Wings respond to all this too? I mean, it was Ben Schrott saying after the game last night that it's not natural for his team to play with that type of, of physicality, but in a lot of ways, they're in a similar position to Ottawa. They've been on a pretty good run of late yeah. to get back into the mix. A young team that's trying to take a significant step forward this season. Haven't been in the playoffs since 2016. Billy Husso is going to go and goal for Detroit tonight, and DJ Smith wasn't leaning or confirming who would start for Ottawa, but but I have to think that they turn towards six foot seven Madge Sogard here in this case. Tim? Uh, Kyle, appreciate you doing this and love seeing meaningful hockey games in Ottawa. Thanks, buddy. There is no Kyle Bukowskis in our nation's capital. I spoke Br about those. Brady Kachuk cha uh, challenging the bench, and he's worried about gloves. <laughs> Come on. It was John Winsink like. Like, I thought it was Don Cherry's Rock'em Sock'em Hockey. Brady Kachuk goes over the bench. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that old school oh, yeah. Winsink to the Minnesota North Stars, but it felt that way. And listen, Ottawa, their fans, their players, yeah. they've been waiting a long time for meaningful yeah. hockey games. These two, very meaningful. And for that first one, like, Full marks. Giroux was great. Kachuk sure. was Kachukian, dare yeah. I say. And, yeah. you know, you got Sanderson was good. Like, that's that's a real interesting yeah. show up. And I, I got to give Claude Giroux a ton of credit here. He had purpose when he went back to Ottawa. There's other places he could have ended up. There he is right there. <laughs> Just love that. And, yeah, Memories uh, of and, and, last and night. And he's really stepped into that leadership role. 
And they're, they're going to be one of those teams in, in a few years along with Buffalo. And depending how this, uh, this commitment by teams like Boston, Toronto, and Tampa Bay, you know, yeah. you, you can almost see in two or three years maybe a, a bit of a, a role reversal where, the, where those teams Think of what Tampa today, just gave up for, you know. They're, they're going to pay the fiddler yeah. at some point. Yeah. I, I don't know how far down the road it's going to be. Is the fiddler different than the piper? Yeah, pretty close. <laughs> don't you pay them you both? both? You can pay them both. Yeah, you can play the guitar player if you want. But teams like Ottawa, Detroit, Buffalo, you can feel them coming. Okay, so let me ask you a question then. If you're Ottawa, and listen, I said this earlier this week when Derek Broussard came out and said, I think we've earned the yeah. right for Pierre Dorian to go get us help. And I agree with him. Like, where are you going yeah. if you're Ottawa, if you're not trying to add to give these guys a shot? You've already done the rebuild. You're not going backwards. Yeah. You're trying to go give DJ a chance, give these guys yeah. a chance, and give him a D-man. It. He's been looking for a year and a half, and that, <laughs> that may be the, uh, the the downfall of Pierre Dorian. Good on him for wanting to play meaningful games, as he stressed at the beginning of the season, and and that's that's happening. Mm-hmm. But as far as uh, looking for a D-man for about a year, year and a half, and not being able to deliver, I mean that's the frustration of Derek Broussard, and and I'm sure all the guys in the room here, mm-hmm. uh, he just couldn't get himself into the mix here. Uh, is there still time? No chicken out there. Could that be uh, something between now and Friday at, at 3 p.m.? Mm-hmm. Uh, but certainly it's awfully quiet. And when there's no smoke, there is no fire, as we know on this segment. <laughs> we're, we're actually going to ditch uh, smoke or fire because everything is fire right now. <laughs> yeah. So let me ask you about the dire straits in Calgary yeah. and in Winnipeg because we're seeing moves all over the place. We're discussing it yeah. with Ottawa. And you saw two fan bases, as uh, as represented by Ryan Leslie and Sean Reynolds, that are going like, "What do we really got here? Wh- which circumstance do you think is tougher, Calgary or Winnipeg?" I th- I think Calgary, yeah. from the sole purpose that uh, everybody spoke so highly of of the moves after finding out that Johnny Goudreau and and Matthew Kachuk were not returning, mm-hmm. and what uh, Tree Living was able to do, um, but it it's not there and. Uh, uh, he's also a guy without a contract yeah. for next season, but he can't sell. I mean, can't throw in the, the towel here. Um, not with Daryl Sutter as your coach. Not and, with and, and you're still four or five points out, and you can have a good week. I I feel bad for him because even if he's waiting till after he plays the Toronto Maple Leafs Thursday, like how much work would you have to put in between then to decide that you are sellers? And, and the 3 p.m. on Friday, like how many moves can you, can you make if you decide you're a seller after a potential loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs? I, I, there's, there's no time. Calgary has to try to make the playoffs. Much weaker it, conference too, right? It, it, yeah, things can happen. And you look at this Seattle Kraken and, you know, Jesse knows that I was a fan of the Kraken, yeah. but I don't expect them no. to hang around well, here. Well, especially if you know Ron Francis in Seattle. And it's like they're, they're not falling off the game plan. Um, because you know they're they were in a position to uh, to certainly make the playoffs this year. They've got they've got a game plan. They're going to stick with it, right. and it doesn't mean speeding up the process. No, you know, and Winnipeg, you got to feel for them as well because they they see the writing on the wall in the next year and a half, two years with all these contracts coming up and who's staying and who's going. Timo Meyer would have been perfect for him to come in, yeah. um, but it's hard. It's hard to. To get Timo Meyer to turn around and say, if you come to Winnipeg, can we get you on a long-term deal? And if he 
doesn't commit, then you don't make that move. And ultimately, we know how it worked out going to New Jersey. So damning. Your coach calls you out. You lose 4 nothing at home to the Islanders. Have one shot on goal yeah. with 14.45 left in the second period. One shot in yeah. the first period. Brutal. Their second shot came at 14.44 yeah. of the second period, and it was on the power play, and it was just a loft on goal. Jesse, I know that there's been a lot of interaction on Twitter, at Tim and Friends. Let's get to some of it here. Okay, so uh, bear with me because there's a lot here. But, okay. uh, Howard Smith writes in and says, uh, or asks, isn't this the most active, craziest lead-up to the trade deadline ever, even during expansion years? I don't remember it being this crazy, so funny you should ask, because Cap Friendly, this was at 4.17 p.m., which is important to note because a lot of stuff happened after 4.17 p.m. Does it feel busier in the lead-up to the trade deadline? It is. Uh, trades made in the 14 days prior to the deadline, 22. That was at 4.17, and I've counted at least at least four deals since then. So it's 26 prior 10-year average, 17.6. There's been just a ton more activity in the lead-up to the trade Brian deadline. Brian Burke's words are ringing through my ears. Get your work done before the deadline, Yeah, Kiprios. seems yeah. like that's happening, yeah. certainly, for GMs everywhere. Yeah, and it, it really does sound like a lot of work has been going on behind the scenes for a long for time a here. Um, so uh, it may be a, a new trend that you don't wait uh, to the final hour. <laughs> what are the shows, what are the extravaganzas on Friday going to do? Yeah, a lot of people talking about that. <laughs> yeah. uh, Steve, i got to give him props Not here. my problem anymore. <laughs> uh, Steve writes in, he wrote in on February 21st, Carlson and the Oilers, come on, let's target a guy like Ekholm or, or alike to improve yeah, the defense I'm of this team. They already have number one power play unit in the league. And then Steve, making sure we took note, um, called it. Called it! Yeah, I believe is how you do that. Yeah. Uh, shifting to the Leafs now, Mike Zeisberger uh, saying that the, when the Leafs' new players play together, 33% of the non-goalie roster will have changed places in 11 days, which is incredibly significant. Obviously, it's a lot. Kipper, how hard is that for a team to turn over that? Like, are you worried about chemistry for these this yeah. last little while. So I think it was uh, Kevin McGrann who tweeted out uh, that the, the, the fourth best team in the league, you know, made significant changes. Yeah. You don't see that very often. No, you don't. Well, how about the first place team in 1994, my New York Rangers? And yeah. uh, we had six or seven new faces deadline, yeah. coming in. Uh, the message was clear. Here we are feeling great about ourselves uh, in first place and somebody whether it was Keenan or somebody above or screaming not good enough right not good <laughs> enough and I think that's basically uh, the leaf feel that you can sit there and say okay you know top five looks good when it's up against 32 mm-hmm. but when you look at the four above you it doesn't look that great anymore and I think that's where Kyle Dubas and Brendan Shanahan were and they fixed top uh, six Mm-hmm. Bottom six, uh, they uh, fixed top four. Right. Uh, they fixed a little third tougher. pairing. Yeah. Uh, much better right now. That, that's major surgery by Kyle Dubas. Sean writes in and says, hashtag plan the parade. So you know how Sean <laughs> feels about what the Leafs are doing. Uh, Chris, uh, Leafs defense now with uh, SpongeBob. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah they're, they're bigger. Ish. They're stronger, for By sure. By the way, you don't win the playoffs even if you win the deadline. That's not <laughs> That's written in stone. It's not even the deadline no. yet. Uh, Matt says, I've now heard the Leafs are asking the Blue Jays if they can deal some of their players. And then finally, Andrew, uh, this is awesome, which I think is, is summarizing. Good way to summarize all of our thoughts because today has been a whirlwind, but fun nonetheless. Exciting. People thought the NBA trade deadline was crazy. How about this? 
Still 68 hours away from the deadline. This league. <laughs> yeah. And I've got all these written uh, notes we, and, all over the place. Know, NBA still has us with superstars yes, uh, the, getting moved. That's the difference. The craziest but, part about the Leafs Kane. boner is that Ekholm is still the best player to have been moved today. Yeah. Yeah. All right, time for a break. You disagree? Patrick Kane, what are you going to say? Yeah, that's not official, though. Even if it was? Yeah. Seven goals, last five games, I know. Yeah. I, I would say him, but oh, he's, again, not official. Uh, he's on Broadway now. <laughs> Look out. We always hope that your game day starts with Tim and friends, and if it did today, you got a cavalcade of whole grain goodness. And it continues. Coming up, Hockey Central will continue the pre-deadline deadline. Panthers and Lightning coming your way. We've got a lot of basketball. Bucks and Nets, Lakers and Grizzlies. Is LeBron done for a while? We've got NXT on 360. Bruins and Flames coming up 9 p.m. Eastern time. And don't forget tomorrow, Leafs and Oilers, new faces in new places. That'll be fun. All right, we still got a couple of things percolating, and I know some of it's on Jesse's computer, some of it's on my computer. I'm going to start with a tweet from the Columbus Blue Jackets, Nick Diprios, yeah. that says that they have recalled goaltender Jet Greaves, great name, and defenseman Billy Sweezy, great name, from the Monsters, and Jonas Corposalo is unavailable for tonight's game at Buffalo due to trade-related reasons. Uh, two of the teams that Jesse and I brought up in the first hour were the Leafs and the Oilers. There's no way, right? Yeah, there's a few people out there that want to link Corpus Allo to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And listen, with everything that's been done by the Toronto Maple Leafs and Kyle Dubas the last little while, there is that one thought that you're still vulnerable in that uh, with an unproven, inexperienced playoff guy like Samsonov and an unreliable is he healthy or is he not healthy, Matt Murray? Right. Um, but Matt Murray's got another year on his deal at, at 4-6. The only way that Corpus Allo ends up at Toronto Maple Leafs is somehow, some way, you move out uh, Matt Murray's contract. And I can imagine, I, I can only imagine how expensive that would be. Right. To, to, to get the jackets to eat that salary. Yeah, and just first, to, you just got from Boston, maybe? Why, though? Like, at the end of the day, you're, you're giving up a first-rounder for a guy that hopefully sits on the bench while Samsonov does his thing. I, I think it's way too expensive, right. and I, I think it's overkill uh, thinking about giving up yeah, that yeah. pick to go get a backup goaltender. They don't have many more to choose from, so it happens to be that first. Speaking of expensive, reports suggested earlier today, or at least earlier this week, that talks have picked up again on Jacob Chikrin. Yeah. Uh, Kings, Capitals, Canes in the mix. I'm still waiting for the Canes to make a big splash here. Yeah, that, it, the 4.6 is still very attractive, uh, but, you know, Leafs are out of the mix. Edmonton, usually when the, the team shirt's shrinking, so does the asking price. Um, Arizona has always made it abundantly clear, who, whoever called them, uh, teams or, or media, that they don't have to trade him. And with two more years left on his deal at 4.6, he can still be very attractive to, to more teams uh, come summer. Uh, the longer this goes, even from hour to hour, I think there's a, a greater chance that he may not go anywhere at all unless, unless the price, the asking price drops 
somewhat uh, by Bill Armstrong, who many teams think that uh, may have overplayed his hand yeah, on this. Yeah, maybe. All right. Uh, we've got to say goodbye. Hockey Central is coming up next. Uh, we've got a full slate of NHL on the network tonight and then tomorrow Leafs and Oilers and the timing on that absolutely wonderful Kipper yeah. thanks for dropping by Love and spending it. 45 minutes with us Jesse thank you and thank you for weighing in at Tim and Friends we'll talk to you tomorrow